When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Hey everybody, you may have noticed that this is not a normally numbered episode. It may say the words retroactive episode. That's because this is one of the episodes from when we used to do a little thing called the Reddit Horror Club. There's a bunch of different stuff going on. We're taking a a quick break this week. We'll be back with a brand new episode next week. But in the meantime, we didn't want you guys to miss a week of our fantastically witty banner. So we're going Shenanigans. to we're going to release uh, this episode discussing horns. This might be I don't think it's red, white and blue level mean to it's the person guessing. Yeah, second only. <laughs> you know, this this is a beautiful tie-in to to the fact that the person whom we harassed mercilessly during this episode was on the Odd Thomas episode of uh Horror Movie Night. Oh yeah, we we ripped him a new one on that one too, didn't we? <laughs> and he is. Yeah, a, I think we were a little bit we were a little bit nicer on that one than we were <laughs> on Horns. But I mean, which is weird because I'd honestly I'd watch Horns three more times before I watched fifteen minutes the first ten minutes of Odd Thomas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of in the same boat. Like we really trashed him for Horns, and I think the problem with Horns was just that there was this whole like this isn't really a horror movie, and like that was like an ongoing thing with us during that episode, whereas, like, Odd Thomas was just not a good... This isn't a movie, was how I felt about Odd Thomas. Like, this is just a series of mistakes that someone videotaped and released. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's there's a lot of meanness in this, which is pretty much why we picked it. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy uh, us really just hating on this movie, which really isn't, like... It's not that bad of a movie. It's probably the most average movie that we reviewed at the time. Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, it's really not terrible until like the last 20 minutes. Then it just goes off the rails. Yeah. Yeah, that last 20 minutes is just brutal. Like, what was the girlfriend's name again? Who um, the fuck cares? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. The redhead girlfriend. Like, her her decision-making process... It, it just thinking about it now still makes me fucking angry <laughs> that she would do that. 
So, you know, it, at the time that we had done this episode, uh, you know, Reddit, Reddit Horror Club was more of everyone watches the movie and then discusses it. Whereas, you know, this podcast is way more, we're picking movies that no one in their right mind should ever watch. And uh, we just trash it like crazy. And then occasionally we'll be like, hey, you know what? The brain wasn't so bad. You should actually try to find a copy of it. Which, side note, wait, thank you wait, to who, everyone. Who, who said that about the brain? <laughs> I, I certainly didn't fucking say that. Uh, that being said, thank you for all of the people who have been listening and sharing the brain. That episode is doing fucking phenomenal, uh, which is super unexpected because that is like probably the most obscure movie we've done in a long fucking time. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you for, for all of you guys out there who are fans of the show and girls and for emailing us suggestions. And we do have a bunch of your suggestions lined up. I know we don't really mention that too much, but we have pretty much this podcast booked until uh, early July at this point, just based on uh, suggestions from you guys and our picks. So That's keep- not to say don't keep sending them, though. So make sure you're sending us your suggestions at hmnpodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, enjoy the painfulness that is us discussing horns. And next week we'll talk about the painfulness of a movie that has a fart jump scare. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Reddit Horror Club. I am Matt, and if Iggy came to me with his horns, my confessions would bore him to tears. I'm here with Adam, <laughs> whose confessions would cause him to vomit in disgust, and Scott, whose confessions are just the right balance of both for him to get off to. Uh, we are going to be <laughs> discussing horns as picked by St. Mort fan, uh, who is not able to join us. Um, so we're actually going to try... Uh, a slightly different way of doing this show uh, in an attempt to make it seem a little bit more structured. Uh, so let's let's break down the movie horns. Um, and I'm just going to kind of go through the plot outline and any point that you guys have something to chime in, just say stop right there because I want to discuss that for a second. Uh, so the movie is about Harry Potter who's being accused of raping and murdering his girlfriend. Uh, he, he plays a character named Iggy. And uh, everyone in the community believes him to be the prime suspect, and I feel like they they never really give a solid explanation on why everyone's just like, yeah, no, totally, that kid who's never shown any signs of doing something like that, it totally makes sense for him to just go ahead and do that. The, the confession Whoa. he gave when yeah. he woke up in the car. Which is it. like a That's fucking it. My Cousin Vinny confession, <laughs> like if I ever saw one. Um but yeah, for some for some unknown reason, he starts growing horns, um, and he also bangs a bartender who's not a bad rebound. Uh, and the horns make people tell, like everyone tells him his deepest, darkest secrets, uh, 
which causes this to possibly be the first movie in which the phrase Jigaboo makes an appearance. Oh, oh my <laughs> in God. In a while, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> um, no, 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 actually, that's, if I would have watched this about two months ago, it would have been so ridiculously um, timely because here in Cleveland area, there was an, a news anchor who said Jigaboo music on the fucking air. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, and she, she went like on administrative leave for a week or something like that and, and did like some half-assed Twitter apology. I'm like, seriously? You're fucking racist. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Iggy was just in the studio at the time and she couldn't help it. <laughs> uh, Iggy Azalea? Like, can, can we stop talking about him as Iggy? Can we just call him Ignatius? Because the entire time, Fuck I just that. want him to be like, first things first, I'm the realist. <laughs> Uh, he's got one less problem without you. Um, so... She makes a cameo. She raps on that song. Um, uh, so, uh, she's, she's worth the answer. Uh, <laughs> but maybe Mary would not agree with that. Well, here's my question, I guess, is did anyone else kind of get fed up with the confessions pretty early on into the movie? Have you never read a Stephen King book? Yeah. Like, this is a Stephen King book. Like, Joe Hill is a total... If he wasn't Stephen King's son, people would be like, this is so fucking derivative. But then because he's Stephen King's son, they're like, oh, it's amazing. It's so good. Like, seriously, this book... this Watching this movie was like watching a Stephen King book turned into a movie. I mean, that, and that was... It was fun. Like, I, I definitely enjoyed the first hour of this film. And I don't... I did not have a problem with the funny confessions... But they got really um, trope-ish and by the numbers, by the one-hour mark. Yeah. Well, okay, so so here's where I've got a lot to discuss. So he goes uh, to the doctor's office, which I'd like to propose that the doctor is possibly the best character in the movie. <laughs> the best. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can love the doctor. And when he's in the doctor's office, he goes into this, uh, <laughs> this like weird um memory of like the story of how he met Miriam and it involves him like surfing down a log flume and and his friendly blowing off his hand um and i have a note this is one of the only notes i have written down which says uh during the scene where they're blowing shit up with cherry bombs one kid who has a shitty nickname of meat bag is rocking a guns and roses shirt well, Ig's brother is dressed like a fucking newsie, and Glenn is talking like a pink lady from Greece, and then Iggy's wearing a Nirvana bleach shirt because he's up to date with new underground music. Iggy is one hip-ass 12-year-old. Um, like, Don't they live in, like, the fucking wilds of Washington or something like that? And it looks like, like a logging town. <laughs> this looks yeah, like, like if, uh, if Twin Peaks suddenly got, like, Nirvana for some reason, <laughs> like, before everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, like, how did he get that shirt before there was a fucking internet? I don't know. <laughs> well, I hadn't thought about that, but that's absolutely true. Like, that, that really breaks my suspension and disbelief. Well, I'm going to burst things. your bubble and, and say that his dad is a famous musician, so. That's uh, I guess there could be some. Ins- <laughs> and his brother's in a kick ass ska band. <laughs> Dude, so that, that ska song, because for everybody who's listening, like, we, we Facebook message all day, every day. And, uh,. I hadn't watched this movie until right before we podcasted, but they had they had watched it earlier. And um, so a couple of days ago, Matt's like, "Dude, that song is that Scott song's amazing. Who is it?" And Adam figured it out or whatever. But I was I was like, "God, this movie's from like 2014 or, or yeah, 2013." And 
there can't be a good ska song in it I haven't heard before. And sure enough, there was a good ska song I'd never heard before. It's a fucking awesome song. I want to pick up that band's album because that song is fucking fantastic. Um, and side note, we plot, when we when we discussed the Mole Man movie um, of Belmont Avenue, Mole Man of Belmont Avenue, um, and I was saying how I really like that shitty song that they made that shitty music video for. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, at, I, I sent an email to the production team for that movie, and I said, hey, I thought that that song was really fun. Um, is, is there anywhere I can listen to it or download it or something? And they're like, and nothing happened, because it was like, this is... This was just for the production. Like they they sent a uh, a uh, an email, like a, a form email back that said this is just for this was just for the production team or whatever. And um, then last week I got an email from the producer of the or one of the brothers that did the movie. I was like, hey, sorry, we just don't really watch this email very often. Here's a link on SoundCloud. So I'll post that in the the comments for this movie. But that was kind of funny that that nice. that I finally got an email back about that. That's pretty. Yeah, that is uh, super sweet. Actually, the song is not. The song is not as good as I remembered it being in the movie. Well, um. <laughs> well while we're talking about music and the ska band, I really like the soundtrack to this movie. Um, I mean, it's mostly it? just like a mixtape of of songs that uh, that you know already. But you know, like you've got Shit some David Bowie songs. Well, like David Bowie, and there's I think Pixies. Where is my head? Is in there, and like it's where's just my like, head. Pixie song, Where Is My Head? Or where's my head? <laughs> yeah, Where's My Mind? Um, also, can we have can we have a moratorium on using that fucking song? <laughs> I know people I, are always like, that's... I know people are always like, oh, Fight Club did it best. It's not even that. It's that 150 fucking movies have used it. Just stop fucking using it. I don't <laughs> yeah, dude, listen. When I, I loved Goaty Hook, and Matt and I have discussed this, I loved Goaty Hook back in junior high and high school, and they covered that song in like 1998, and I was tired of it. <laughs> I mean, it's a good song. I respect the Pixies for writing that song, but I've heard that so many iterations of that song, I could not give a fuck if I ever heard it again. So, so I think so. The back to the movie. I think it's during this flashback that we also get the uh, Juno Temple nude scene, which is a strong contender for best nude scene of this round. Uh, yep. <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty fantastic. I'm kind of curious Scott's opinion because he is the uh, the resident nude scene expert. Nude <laughs> expert. Um, you know, I I uh, I don't know. You know, I love I, I you know I I've always had a penchant for for redheads, but I don't find Juno Temple attractive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I aesthetically understand that she's a pretty redhead, but I can't stop looking at her forehead. Yeah, she's definitely got a very unique look. It's not even. I mean, that she's, she, she's she she just um, she's just not my type. And and honestly, the nude scene didn't do it for me. I if I'm gonna pick best boobies from this movie, I'm gonna go with the nurse that gets banged by the doctor while Iggy <laughs> is under uh, sedation. That was great. Okay, so so let's jump to that real quick because I do have a note here. Uh, and you two might be the only two people that know what I'm talking about. But the noises that Ig makes when he wakes up uh, from that scene are literally Trey Parker's gross out noises in basketball. He's just like, ah, 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 ah. Oh, I'm drinking fat like with such a ass. Why am I doing this? It's so salty. This guy must have ate a lot of pork. 
Oh, I found one of Karen's mom's pubes. Oh, uh, this oh Sweet Psycho, dude. Oh, it's another one. Dude, hey, speaking of awesome ska songs. That was the Take that... On Me cover by Real Big Fish. Yeah, so I had listened to Real Big Fish. Um, I, I knew I knew stuff from Turn the Radio Off because, you know, like, Sellout was the biggest song of 1997 on alt radio in my in my area, um, or maybe 96 or whenever it came out. And I was like, yeah, I like that song. But, um, you know, I, I didn't seek it out. And then I saw basketball in, like, what was it, 1997 or 98 or whatever. And, you know, first thing I did was I stayed up all night and jacked it three times to the girls um, that were that were the cheerleaders uh, in one of, the, one of the groups. I don't remember which one. But, or maybe it's only twice. I don't know. But I remember staying up really late jacking it when I borrowed or when I rented basketball but the other thing i did was i became very very deeply enamored with real big fish because of the take on me cover so there you go <laughs> um so he leaves the doctor's office and uh this is where the reporter fight sequence happens which is probably my favorite of all the um all the the confession slash suggestion stuff um which then I found out was in the trailer because I never watched the trailers until afterwards. I'm yeah, like, I didn't oh. watch the trailer either. I'm like, oh, that's like right in the trailer. That kind of ruins one of the better moments. Um, well, the best part about that is that I don't really. I, I'm. I wanted to ask you guys this. Um, as a, as a, an aspiring writer, myself, I've I've always written stuff, never like shared or anything like that. But I like to write stories. And when I write stories and when I write lyrics for Survivor Girl or whatever, I find myself writing tropes like some like uh, you know somebody picking up the phone. Like you don't pick up a fucking rotary phone anymore. Just like the newspaper reporters, do they really have those over-the-shoulder uh, cameras anymore? I mean, I understand for comedic effect, it makes a whole lot more sense for somebody to get bashed in the fucking head with a thing that looks like it weighs twenty pounds, but. Do they actually use those anymore? I don't know. That's a good question, well, actually. What, does this movie take place in 2014? Because he's driving around in the Gremlin and, like... But he, I think he's driving around in the Gremlin because, one, they look fucking awesome, and, two, it's a Gremlin. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, just I think that's just name. a nod to... Yes, exactly. Okay, well, uh, you know, it's at this point that both of his parents confess to him that they don't believe that he's innocent. Uh and Ig finds out that the surprise witness in the case against him is Heather Graham, uh, and the audience is surprised that Heather Graham is still acting. Um, and uh, the audience was definitely surprised that Heather Graham still looks great. Yeah, no, she uh, she still looks pretty fantastic. Like, how old is she? I have to look it up. I think she's almost like 45-ish. Almost 45. I thought you were going to say 50. I was like, no way. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, she is actually 45 as of January 29th today, uh, this year. All right, look at that. Um, she looks, she's, if I look that good at 45, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> uh, so this is where he finds out that Lee can't see the horns um, also. And he, uh, cool. Ig believes that it's because he's too good of a person. Uh, and then the, we find out later that the actual reason is because he's wearing Miriam's necklace. Uh, <laughs> so he removes that necklace. He sees, then suddenly Lee can see the horns and confesses to being the murderer. And this is probably where the movie should end. But the yep. but the numbers on the screen tell me otherwise. <laughs> so this is this is where the movie jumps the fuck out of the shark, like, like just goes right off the rails. And from what I understand, like because I only literally have two other notes of what happens in the movie from this point on, but it's like forty five fucking minutes of film. Um, 
I I actually took the time to go on the Wikipedia page for the novel horns and read that as well because I felt like there had to have been shit that's missing because stuff just doesn't make sense from this point on. Um, so instead, uh, it, so so basically, Lee murders Ig, but for some reason the horns keep him alive or something. They never totally explain that. Um, but then he puts on Miriam's necklace and his body is restored to normal sans horns and everything. He finds a note that's a confession from her, which we could talk for fucking hours about how fucking stupid her plan is. Uh, but basically she was sick and that's why she didn't want to marry him. Um, and then he takes the necklace off and he turns into some type of flaming devil creature and murders Lee and then turns to Ash. I thought that was so heaven. stupid. Yeah, like the, the movie just fucking falls apart in the third act. Um, that was like... That was like every um, religious horror flick from the 90s. I don't know if you guys remember that time period or, if, or like, not that you don't remember it, but if you, if you ever noticed that thing that was happening in the 90s when it would be just like, it would build and build and build to the most special effects they could do at the very end, like Stigmata and End of Days and all, or whatever, that, The Sixth Day or whatever that Arnold Schwarzenegger religion apocalypse movie was. But like there... Uh, this movie felt so '90s in the worst possible way. At the uh, in that last twenty minutes, and I was just like, I can't wait until this is over. All right, so I so the book explains this more, but I'm going to take this strictly from the way that the movie presents it. Uh, the movie has this one trend that I absolutely hate, which is that the nicest character possible is revealed to be the murderer, which is fine if it's presented as like an accidental death and that he has, like that he's you know trying to basically self-preservation but he actually shows no remorse for the actions and furthermore like unless it's supposed to be that he's under the horns power which is the other problem with this movie doesn't have time to establish any of its mythology really um but he's like borderline gleeful about what he did and then when he's trying to murder egg he's saying things like this is going to be fun and i always wanted to do this and then gets like super excited and laughs when he blows off meat bag's head and like yeah it just doesn't work for me at all. But in the book, it explains that he's like, like his nice, like he's fucking crazy, but he's able to do crazy things that people think are nice. Like his mother is like dying, and instead of like doing the right thing, he likes to keep her alive so he can torture her. But everyone else perceives it as like he's just this really nice guy taking care of his mother and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like. That is the most. That is the most Stephen King bullshit I've ever heard. Also, when all, when all the childhood friends minus reunite, Glenna, that is the that is the most Stephen King thing. Also, like Joe Hill's a total hack. I have to read the book, but he definitely is basically like deconstructing the things that it made his dad's books famous and doing them as well. See, and I, I don't want to go as far as calling Joe Hill a hack, though, because I love. No, the, seriously, I love. If, if anybody P. else, like, no, yeah, and I read, agree. If anybody read Lock else and Key did before that before you completely write this guy off, because Lock and Key is fucking amazing, yeah. and there's there is some Stephen King in there, but it's a whole other fucking thing, and it's and really, I actually really, really good. liked. I haven't read Horns, but I read his book Heart Shaped Box, which I also liked. And like, yeah, I mean, he's always going to get. Like, and I agree with what you're saying. If he wasn't Stephen King's son. 
people would shit on him just for being this person who rips off Stephen King. And if King. he wasn't Stephen King's son, he wouldn't be famous. Well, no, but that's not true. That's the whole I, reason it why is he, true. he published no, under I know. Joe Hill. Stop. Okay. Stop. I know. <laughs> Megan and I had this conversation yesterday. I, I can cut you off the pass to save time. It doesn't matter that he's calling himself Joe Hill. Everybody fucking knows he's Stephen King's son. They do and now, if, but not until like the third or fourth. It month. doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter. That's the whole point that I'm getting at is that he is probably like, hey, dad, I've made this manuscript. Let's put it under a pseudonym. But could you please show it to your friends at these publishing houses? So it doesn't matter. It's still nepotism. I mean, it's the same thing, though. But that's like complaint. Like, you know, I have an issue with Tucker and Dale versus evil. Because the guy who directed that says how hard of a struggle it was to finance the movie, and he's fucking Sally Field's son. Like, how yeah, hard? Yeah, that is... sounds like bullshit. <laughs> like, but uh, anyway, we'll get. Off. I I would still say that don't write off Joe Hill until you've read Lock and Key because that comic is okay. I'll Lock and Key, but I don't think I want to read Horns. Yeah, I mean Lock and Key is a, well, and Lock and Key is a comic book series, so it's fucking fantastic. But uh, uh, the other pet peeve that I have, and again, I don't know if this is bad translation from the book or whatever. But I hate when narration is like super inconsistent and literally just reiterates things that we already have figured out ourselves. Like literally there's a point where the only narration is the horns were a blessing, not a curse. And it's like, yeah, we fucking figured that out, buddy. Like <laughs> uh, you know what? The the my biggest problem with this movie is is the fact that the right the screenplay is shit. The the direction and the cinematography are great. And the acting is actually really good. Daniel Radcliffe was great, um, and you know I, I liked everybody in the movie. And I didn't, I didn't not enjoy this film. I don't mean to be shitting on it, like sounding like I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I would watch this movie. Like this is not. I a would movie watch that it I would and hate. turn it off at the hour and a half mark. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would turn it off after he gets like thrown into the to the lake. Ang's brother's but, overdose I, scene is fantastic. Like when he's yeah, that freaking, was really cool. Yeah, that scene's fucking so cool. And, like, this is a director who I usually either... Like, like even the movies I don't like by him, I still think are visually interesting. Like, I'm not a big fan of the Hills Have Eyes remake, but I think it's visually interesting. Um, and Adam and I talked earlier about how Piranha 3D is, like, his masterpiece that'll never be topped. But this is probably... I'll have to watch it. <laughs> You've never I, I, seen I, Piranha 3D? <laughs> No. Well, okay. I, I tell oh you what, I'm gonna God. I'm gonna pick that for next round because <laughs> it's actually so much fucking fun. It's awesome. All right, good. Now we all know what we're gonna pick next round. <laughs> I'm picking Summer Party Massacre. <laughs> I won't say what I'm gonna watch, uh, what I'm gonna pick yet, but for a hint, I, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I I just went from six to midnight. I'm so stoked. Um, did anyone notice? I think I might Lee's drive fi- back to Philadelphia just to discuss that movie. <laughs> did anyone else notice Lee's fake fingers? Because they look fucking retarded. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're terrible. Yeah, they like, look weird, I put like, these stream. two cones over my real real hands. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole time, I'm I'm like looking at his hand, and I'm like, they look like he's just got normal hands, and then there's a close up. Of his head, I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, that is the shittiest fucking fix of a of two fingers do, being blown off I've ever seen. Do you, do you remember Royal Tenenbaum, where Gwyneth Paltrow has that weird wooden finger the whole yeah, movie? Yeah, and the whole like, joke is supposed to be how shitty it is. Like, oh, god damn it. Um, so do we want to talk about why Miriam's plan is the worst plan in the history of fucking cinema? 
I'm going to save you from the horror of my dad's life. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. I did. I'm going to be honest with you. I jumped around a little bit right at the end because I was like, I'm over this. After he got, after he got uh, that, that final confession, I was like, eh. Well, that's right. But like the idea of just like, I, I, and I'm going to propose a question to the few women in this club. Like, I want to know, do you think that this is like a logical good plan? Like, is this just, like, Guy's perspective of it being, like, this is stupid? Because in the movie, they try to make it seem like it's this selfless and romantic gesture, but, like, it seems It's incredibly selfish, actually. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so, it, when I was in high school, there were two girls that did the same thing. They were like, we can't be together because... Of like college, <laughs> you know, like, and or or whatever, and so I don't know if that counts as like, uh, you know, a, a, an, an actual analog, but but she explained it as we can't do this because she didn't lie about cheating on him so that he would hate her and be like make it quote in her mind easier for him to get over her like that's. It's so fucking asinine of like, I don't want to hurt you, so I'm going to tell you the most hurtful thing a human being could tell another person that's been in like a 10-year relationship together. Yeah, I mean, we grew up together and we know each other better than anybody, but we can't just sit down and have a fucking conversation about this, can we? Like, yeah. My will is not strong it's... enough to stay no. Blah, fuck off. Yeah, well, I mean, it was supposed to be romantic. Seriously, though, the Joe Hill wrote that in, like... I'm sure that he wrote that scene thinking, like, what is the most high school bullshit that I can put in this book? <laughs> <laughs> um, the the only other note I have here is I'm glad the only witness to the end of this movie was a, an established drug addict. Good to know a reliable source <laughs> will be getting the truth out to the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> um, so, I mean, do you guys have any other discussion points or do we want to hop into Adam's notes? Uh, I have stuff that I want to discuss, but it'll tie into the notes. So. All right, well, let's just hop into notes then. All right, these are the notes for horns. Uh, you know what's a shitty way to start your movie? With a really cheesy voiceover. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that with your movie. Um. Harry seems to think that no means yes, because he's like, let's have sex. He's like, no. He's like, yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, hey, dude, if you don't want that fucking Bowie record, if you're just going to wreck it, I mean, I'll take it. Don't. Dude, I was the same thing. Oh. I was so mad when he was doing that. I was like, fucking stop. Fuck. <laughs> um. Yeah, pissing on your dead girlfriend's grave is really not the best way to go about proving your innocence. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same sure. fucking thing. I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> and then, like, Glenna comes over and she stops him midstream. That must <laughs> like, be the most painful thing that happens to him in the entire movie. And then she's <laughs> like, I want to ride on that. Well, <laughs> he was hammered, so you know as soon as he put his dick back in his pants, he just pissed all down his leg. <laughs> then he talked about, he was like, you could see my horns. If, if I saw someone with horns, I'd piss down my pants, piss my pants, or something like that. And I'm like, "Yeah, dude, you just did." <laughs> uh, we got some really lovely sound effects when the horns are popping out through his head. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> "Fucking gross." Um, 
what a what a fucking lame way to die is fucking trapped under logs in your tidy whities <laughs> What a <laughs> shitty way to go. Wait, so here's my question with that, because that was kind of um that in itself, I, I started to wonder if this was going to go into like a super supernatural element because it literally seems like the logs are purposely moving to block him under there and it I'm like, what is happening? Like is is he like it doesn't make sense why he can't just squeeze in between some of them, or even like he's trying to like move them with his hands, and they're they're refusing to move, and they actually just seem to purposely form together the second that he's trying to get out. Like I don't understand what's happening there. The the waves created by a ninety pound child are not going to be enough to move thousand pound logs. It's just the water displacement is not going to happen. It's so- just- Oh, by the way, I did have a note that I ended up deleting because they acknowledge it in the movie, but I did write, not to nitpick here, but he's not naked. He's wearing underwear and a... And, um, well, meatbag. Sneaks and then meatbag calls it out afterwards. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll delete that note. <laughs> Which I guess he just wanted to see him naked. Yeah, because they established that he was... Yeah, he likes... Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, too much child acting in this movie. I don't enjoy child acting, and this is... Not that great, not terrible, but not that great. Um, you have you guys ever? Have you guys me. ever tried to fuck in the woods? Like it's gross. Like she's all up against like a moldy fucking mossy log, like rubbing all up in it. That wouldn't be. That'd be gross. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, and then his mom has that uh, that monologue about how she hates him or whatever. I'm like, we should have picked this for Mother's Day. That would have been <laughs> I watched this on a Wednesday afternoon, and I was not ready to see tiny old man cock in that bar. Yeah. It was really too early in the day for that. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I started my Sunday off right. I forgot about that seed. <laughs> Um, so the it's almost like is, you forget about it as soon as you look away from it. Yeah, See, that old man's got his own his horn. horn. <laughs> <laughs> it's all only slightly more gnarly than Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> and discolored. Um, so they establish his brother as this like really famous and it seems like really well off musician, but he just plays the horn in the ska band. Yeah. What, yeah, nobody gives a fuck about the horn players of a ska band, all right? I, Unless you're a white man in the Boss Tones or the singer in Real Big Fish, nobody knows you. I was going to say, I don't. I, I, I will say that uh, I know from hanging out with Scott Kloppenstein a couple times that he uh, he he actually told me that like, man, the money that you that he made because he was like into every fucking drug for a really long time, and he's like, you know, when you're an 18 year old in a band like Real Big Fish. Like, after you've bought every video game and comic book that your heart's desire and you still have money to blow, he's like, you just start doing really stupid shit. So, like, I would absolutely 100% buy that if this band's supposed to be a semi-established, well-known band, like, maybe even if they are, like, a real big fish, like, we're supposed to buy them as a real big fish that's, like, maybe not as popular now as they were, but were at one point, I would absolutely buy that he's, like, Still got a nice house and, like, fucking addicted to drugs. Like, just doing whatever drug he can get his hands on. Like, I will accept that. All right. So, uh, this is a real incestuous group of friends. They're all trying to fuck each other. Everybody wants to fuck the one girl and 
This is some Stephen King shit for sure. She's just giving blowies <laughs> to anybody who asks. Yeah. Candies. Yeah. Oh no, no, I guess they did say blowies. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, it reminds me. I was all I could think about was. Um, do you guys listen to the Mortified podcast? Yep. It's the best. Uh, there it's was one of the best podcasts out there right now. It really. It's it, it. I'm surprised that you like it because you haven't blown it on the. Um, on our podcast, well, ever. I, well, I had, yeah. well, because there's no way to connect it to this podcast the way I can it, it, with the other ones. But no, true, I've had. But the, here is the way that it connects: is there's that one where the girl is talking about her friend who she's like, so and so is such a slut. She's always giving handies or something like that. She's like, maybe guys would like me if I gave handies. <laughs> I'll find it. I'll try and post uh, it. In a so I had the uh, the the host of that podcast on St. Mort show like a month or oh, two really? ago. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. He came on to promote the first episode of Mortified. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Now, he's a cool dude. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So, yeah, they're all trying to, the super incestuous group that just wants to bang Glenda. <laughs> I'm Which surprised is that this exactly like the kids from It. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised that this movie's solution wasn't a, an orgy with Glenda at the end. So. Uh, <laughs> you, don't, you don't remember how It ended? I No, I was about to say... I am actually pretty proud of Joe Hill for not um, adding that in because I could really do without it. <laughs> um, okay, so then it's the scene with the the cops in the car and he makes them blow each other. And I'm just wondering, does this uh, confession scene with the cops remind you guys of a certain podcaster's shower confession? After uh, we might have heard it. <laughs> 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 Um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, let's just gloss over that. We're good. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm happy to see the waitress get hers, and in like a really brutal way too. I don't know what those snakes brutal. were, but it seemed like he was just causing like necrosis all over her body. So, yeah. Um. All right, I got a multiple choice pop quiz for you guys. Okay. All right. Okay. A. Let you live. B, finish that off. Choose one. Um, it's when he's getting the, the brother to do all the drugs, and he's like, uh, no, I'm going to let you live. But why don't you finish all that off? You only get to choose one. You're either letting him live, or he's finishing all that off. Juno Temple really was leading that Lee guy on with like all the forehead kisses and stuff. I can kind of get yeah, what Yeah, forehead kisses are how I got my wife. I'm pretty sure that they're, that they're not as innocent as she thinks they are. Yeah, I mean, she was just really, really naive to think that this... I mean, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't... Well, she's probably emotionally stunted because she's only been with Daniel Radcliffe her entire life. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's... <what? laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Why do people think in movies that the correct time to make your move is when a chick is sobbing uncontrollably? Why do they always go in for the kiss then? Because she was already wet, bro. But I'm from. We're going to edit that out of this one. No, that's staying in there. Scott says something stupid. I'm keeping it in there because I keep all the stupid <laughs> shit I say in every time. Nah. Um, all right, so then we get to the Lee thing, and it's like, if you've never seen this movie before, you, you're probably imagining, like, oh, it's going to be a sad ending. But nope, nope, this movie's about to go crazy. Here we go. Um, not only is he hard to kill, as he said, but he's seemingly fucking immortal. 
which okay, you just gotta roll with that. I mean, every everything else in this movie's been pretty weird so far with the horns and all the supernatural shit. So we're just gonna roll with the punches. But then he puts the fucking necklace on, and it's like, oh my, dead girlfriend's ghost done cured my demonism. Well, that's okay. <laughs> we're just gonna go with that too. <laughs> And then I have an excerpt from the letter that she wrote Ig here. Dear Ig, I'm a selfish ass who literally <laughs> ruined your life because I'm an idiot and I don't understand how love or relationships work. <laughs> so it is high school. Yeah, direct quote from the letter. <laughs> All right, we get to the end scene and I'm just like, are you ready? Are you fucking ready? Yeah, that's right, motherfucker. Welcome to the King family where the endings don't matter. And it's Dosex mocking a town all over the fucking place. Who cares? He's a demon. He's an angel. He's fucking. I don't know what's Do going everything. on. Neither do you. Neither does Joe Hill. Nobody knows. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> what is that shit? How? Like this is. You guys ever read The Stand by Stephen King? I tried, and I could. I, I'm gonna try again, but I wasn't digging it when I gave it a shot this year. There, Dude, The Stand is not something that you enjoy. It's something that you. Don't if it. Well, now I'm now I'm in the middle of uh, it, and I'm actually kind of cruising through that pretty easily. <laughs> it is a really good read. It's also in the summer of 1958, which makes it awesome. Yep, I agree with that. Well, and the other thing that I think helps, and I was talking to someone about this. Stephen King is one of the few people that I recommend you watch the movie before you read the book because he gets so wordy. Because your expectations are so low. <laughs> well, well, no, no, not just because of that, but because he gets so wordy and talky in parts that, like, if you already know the basic plot line, you can get to a chapter and be like, you know what, I could probably just skip this chapter and not really miss anything. And, like... Oh, he'll spend three pages just describing how green the grass is, and you don't need to fucking know that. Nobody cares. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, at the end of the stand, it, like Dos Ex Machina, the hand of God, that literally happens at the end of the stand. Like the hand, like a hand descends from the cloud and just like, boop, saves the day. Fire, like that's the end of the fucking book. And it's like, what? <laughs> what are you fucking doing? And there are tons of gay hand jobs in that book. So it really is, you know, the same as this book. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and I have one last question. So uh, there's a there's a line where he goes, um, where he puts the necklace on, and he's like, "I could feel the spirit of her around me, protecting me." Blah blah blah. So it's like, okay. So then we're led to believe that whatever she's like imbuing him with these powers, or at least you know, like aware of what he's doing and what's going on. So she wrote that letter. She broke up with him because she didn't want to ruin his life. But then when she dies, she gives him the power to get revenge and in the end die anyways. Yeah. But that hey, her- obviously there's an afterlife so he can spend the rest of eternity with her and they can just chortle together and be like, ha, we really fucked that guy over. <laughs> Fuck you. Know, what? Oh, Joe Hill, you fucking... Uh, what are you doing? Yeah, the... <laughs> King family legacy is <laughs> it's going to be the, the first half was awesome that's that's the legacy they're leaving behind <laughs> I like but that yeah, you I say that, that in like actually... a Mike Birbiglia type voice too <laughs> um, actually I think that that should be the tagline for every Stephen King book ever, ever the first half is awesome yeah every critic's review like every blurb on the back should just be like Stop at page 256. Save yourself some trouble. 
<laughs> Let's be honest here. If it's halfway through a Stephen King book, it's page 700. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my notes. I, I like it enough. I, this is the second time I've watched it. I'm never going to watch this fucking thing again. And I wouldn't suggest other people watch it really either. Wait, so was this your first time watching it, or had you seen this previously and then rewatched it for no, notes? No, I, I had seen it before. I. Uh... Oh, you saint. You were a saint. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, God, no. I gotta do those notes, man. Oh man, yeah, this I would I would watch this again, <laughs> but not for a very long time. Like I, I, this is not like a top priority movie for me to re-see. But I mean, there's there's enough. Like I said, like the the drug, like the the scene where his brother's overdosing and stuff like that is is cool enough that I would want to have this on my shelf if for no other reason. When I do like my. Uh, you know, Halloween mashups at the end of the year, or every Halloween. Like, there's some really cool stuff in this movie, but it's definitely buried amongst a whole lot of garbage that you got to sit through. Uh, yeah, and, and, and an ending acting, that you don't need. The act, sorry, the the acting's really competent. There is, you know, like some really. I, I mean, I like the concept too, although they kind of just really take it out of out of hand and like overboard, but. Yeah, it's it's good. You know, do you guys know who the original person uh, who was going to play Ig is? No. Sorry, Igna- Ignatius. I, Sorry, I actually no. read this on IMDb, and I can't remember, though. Shia LaBeouf. Oh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I'm really glad <laughs> that Daniel That would have been amazing. <laughs> uh, that would have been so funny to watch. It would have been a great double feature to go with uh, Disturbia, <laughs> the other pseudo-horror film that Shia LaBeouf was in. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. listening to the Geekscape Network. 